Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Tuesday, November 2nd. You listeners hear me on each and every podcast give thanks to our friends at Tennis Point, without whom we wouldn't be able to go every day. We wouldn't be able to provide you listeners with the information we know you deserve, the information we know you need to be the tennis fans you want to be, to follow all the action day in, day out, not just happening on the pro circuit, but throughout the tennis world. That is why we are extraordinarily excited to introduce a new series here on the Mini Break Podcast, something we're going to be doing every week moving forward. Very simple. You know we love alliteration here at Crack Rackets. We're calling it Tennis Point Tuesdays, and what we're going to be doing, previewing each and every week, not only across the tennis world, but talking about the latest and greatest items you can find within the tennis world as well. The items you need to accentuate the finer features of your game, the items you need to ensure you have your best performance whenever you step out on the court and there was perhaps no person I could think better to join me on these Tennis Point Tuesdays than a brand manager over at Tennis Point, but far more importantly, friend of the program here at Crack Rackets. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Nate Walrith. Nate, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Great, Groskin. I appreciate you having me on. I've been a big fan of Crack Rackets for a couple years now. You guys are crushing it. So just awesome to be on this. Last time we talked, it was the live show at the Western and Southern. We had a ton of fun doing that. Hopefully we got some more stuff coming like that down the pipeline. But now I'm happy to be here. A bunch of good tennis going on. Um, some new products that we can discuss. And yeah, let's get yeah. it. No, happy to have you as well. Do people think, did I separate with Dave Limke? I don't want to say it was a divorce, but I think he broke up with me. I think he's done with <laughs> <laughs> think- Dave's too busy, man. Dave's- yeah. Exactly. He's, he's having his he's having a grand old time in uh Paris right now with with uh Colleen as well, the director of, of marketing team from Tennis Point. Uh they went to Paris to launch the new Tennis Point store. They actually had some guy you guys might have heard of, Rafa Nadal flying from Mallorca. We yeah, we've met once or twice. Yeah, yeah he's a decent <laughs> tennis player. He's <laughs> plays with some spin. Good nice golfer. Slide. Yeah, yeah, good golfer. Yeah, he contradictory that, that different type of swing path, but he gets it done. Yeah. Um, no, but they went and did this really cool thing with Tennis Point Paris. Had the Bablat family in there, and yeah, it looked like they had a ton of fun. I was a little bit jealous, I must say. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they got to watch some uh, Paris Masters as well. And no, I know Dave Limke is in heaven over there. So shout out to Dave. I'm sure he'll be a uh, friend of the podcast again here soon. Yeah, I would have happily done a Rafa impersonation the entire time if that's what I knew he was looking for. (laughs) Dave, I thought, you know, tennis point, the tennis point looked good. Um, That's about all I got right there. I'd have to really work into it. I have to be in the right mindset. It's been a long day. Um, But appreciate you saying that, of course. And I meant it sincerely. I mean it every time I say it on the podcast. We wouldn't be able to go daily without the support we get from you guys. So uh, sincerely, this has been a relationship I know all of us have enjoyed. And that's why we're excited to launch these Tennis Point Tuesdays moving forward. And, you know, again, we're going to cover a bunch of different things. But I do think it's smart to start at the beginning. And, of course, uh, listeners of this podcast, for a long time, we'll know that once upon a time, we were partnered with a group called Midwest Sports, and obviously, Colleen, Dave, yourself were part of that Midwest Sports team. Midwest Sports suddenly became Tennis Point, which, of course, is a larger tennis, I don't want to, what's the term for tennis distributor? There it is, distributor of items, and just, you know, again, tennis-point.com, you can find everything you're looking for, best place, lowest prices, but it is pretty cool. Uh, you know, again, I'm, I'm curious about that trip for Dave, for Colleen, to be able to head out to Paris to be over there with Rafa. It's a store launch, correct? Correct, yeah. The middle, the heart of Paris, I mean, it's a lot different than our current setup in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. I know we're going to try to replicate that to the best of our abilities here in the near future. I mean, it is just top of the line type of retail store. You walk in there, it's it's about the experience as a, as a shopper, as a tennis fan. 
they want to kind of get you in there, not just for your dollar, but like to really create that special feeling you get as a kid shopping for your first racket, that fresh pair of shoes, all the new apparel. I mean, it just, it brings that happy feeling like Rafa talked about, like in the, in an interview, like it just brings him a lot of joy to see people invest in the indoor sport and to create a place like that, that has a more of a destination feel to it. You got Rafa's like six or eight rackets from Roland Garros. I mean, they've got all types of wall ma- like branding and stuff. And it just, they've got just a ton of activation um, type of events going on in there. And it's just a super engaging, fun atmosphere. And that's what tennis is supposed to be about. And so we're hoping to bring that same energy here. I know we have it in our blood and we just got to kind of put it out there so people can kind of come and hang out with us and talk the game. And yes, we want to be a place where people want to come hang out, talk tennis, do podcasts, do product reviews. And um, year uh, Tennis Point Europe in general is just, they got it together and their vision is crystal clear with what they want to do. And it's cool to just kind of see it all come about. Mm-hmm. It's got to be cool to just have the Tennis Point resources at your disposal now as well. And I imagine, you know, again, it, it's funny you mentioned that we hosted a tournament this past weekend, two weekends ago. It all blends together at this point. Uh, and I think it was two weekends ago. This is embarrassing. Again, I'm showing my age here. This is the first Halloween where little kids would come up as trick-or-treaters, and I'd be like, oh, that's really cute. Like, oh. Like, and I was like, wow, I'm old. I was like, come on, Alex. Like, snap out of it. Um, but all of that, I will tell you my costume later, and then you'll be like, oh, yeah, don't worry. You did snap out of it. But um, I, was, I-, I was really pondering your take on if the uh, Kit Kat is the true uh, palate cleanser that you oh, would it- like to go with unquestionably unquestionably nate because it's subtle chocolate and i know that's like i don't know if that's a thing um but it's just like you you get the hint of chocolate but you're not overwhelmed with like a reese peanut butter or some snickers peanuts or milky way caramel it's just pure chocolate palate cleanser that's i thought entirely too long about that tweet you sent out i was like he might be onto something over here Oh, I was, uh, so I came up with that because I had a Kit Kat when we were, I was about to record with David Kane, and I was like, "Hey, I think, I think Kit Kat's the palate cleanser." And he goes, "That's a tweet," and I was like, "That is a tweet." I was like, "Lock that bad boy in. I'm putting that in the queue." Um, I am curious because again, if someone went in, as someone tennis related in Halloween, and I know this is a fun thing, but this is what we can do at Tennis Point Tuesdays is have some fun here on this show. Mm-hmm. What is the most recognizable? tennis related halloween costume and you can't go generic tennis player because of course you have a racket oh you're a tennis player but if you were trying to be something specific in the tennis world what's most recognizable johnny McEnroe. right yeah yeah it's gotta be johnny mac we we actually had a halloween costume contest uh, amongst all the employees and the guy that he runs our warehouse he dressed up as johnny mac and it was unbelievable you guys can see it on our social media but had the afro, had the shirt, had the short shorts and, t- and the uh, pinstripe socks. I mean, he had the whole the whole get down and Johnny Mac. I mean, I don't know who, who's your pick on this. It's a good question. I, I gave this many, many much thought over the weekend. I ended up going as a piece of shit. So there was no. Yeah, I like that you're laughing. So we went to the Halloween store. It's Saturday, 6 p.m. We I actually went to a Halloween party and interacted with humans, which I haven't done in a long time, or at least non-tennis-related humans. And I was getting into, you know, the five and six singles players for Arizona State, and they were like, dude, you lost me months ago. Uh, but none of that is true, by the way. Uh, but 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 the, the costume is, and, you know, we went to this store. Everything's out. They got nothing left. There are these two hats on the shelf, poop emojis. And I was like – I look at my buddy, and I'm like, hey, man – what if we just go as pieces of shit? And he kind of chuckled, and he was like, oh, yeah, that's pretty good. And I will say, we went out to the bar later that night, and I don't know if this is a good – you know, nine times out of ten this happens to you at the bar, or 99 out of 100, probably not a good thing. But every time it's, oh, you're a piece of shit. And I'd be like, I am. It's like, that's pretty good. Not tennis-related. What, do I have to go – I was going to make a joke and say refer to a certain player, but – no, that's not who I win as. Um, I do. Anyways, all of that is to say, tennis related. Uh, you do know a Johnny Mac. You go in the Wimbledon whites, the sweater yeah. vest, the nice the the headband, and I think my former club tennis doubles partner did that. It was a good look for him, no doubt. I'm trying to think, like other than that. I I, mean, I don't know. I went to Nashville and I did not bring like two costumes. And I couldn't believe how much I got for not like dressing up the one night we went out. I was like, man, I'm probably never going out on Halloween again. Yeah, like, we're old. We're I know. Old I'm like, I, I think I'm too old. I mean, I'm not putting up the face. I'm like the face paint and stuff. But 
maybe I have to because it was people were highly disappointed. They they were calling me no fun and boring, and I was like, man, I don't want to be described as someone that's not fun and boring. That's horrible. Oh, you should have said I'm Dave Limke. Oh no. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, but he is a, a renowned Nashville figure. So I just, you know, they would have been like, oh, that makes much more sense. Yeah, <laughs> um, you're the, you're yeah exactly. You're the, but, you're, the, you're the product guru at Tennis Point. Just yeah, so. exactly. And all that said, you talk about, you know, the Tennis Point brand and just trying to make the interactive uh, nature. All of, I brought all of that up as to say I did see the costume over on the Tennis Point Instagram. And I do think it is a fun, you know, it's it's just interesting. How do you have fun with tennis in popular culture, right? How do we embrace that? And certainly with the arrival of King Richard, the movie, and you think about the mockumentary made by Jon Snow and Andy Samberg over uh, on HBO. You know, those have been a couple of Marty Fish's documentary of late. Those have been a couple of instances of tennis cracking the mainstream culture. But I do think it's reflective when a sport doesn't have a definitive Halloween costume. Like, or it is, but it's from the 70s, you know, 80s. That's... It's worth noting. It's worth noting, and nevertheless, yeah. I know that's why something that's at tennis, yeah, and I know it's something at tennis point you guys are trying to do is you know again make tennis relatable not just to tennis players but to fans of sport in general and fans exactly, of all yeah. ages as well. And you know that gets us into some of the products and some of the things we want to talk about here today. What are the latest and greatest available over at uh, over on tennis-point.com? And I think the place we have to start with is rackets because it's always, you know, any tennis player, you go to an oh, you know, first of all, if you're playing a match, you immediately are going to be like, what racket does this person play with? Scrub, not a scrub. Do they have a, you know, bag, no bag? If they don't have a bag but they come with only the sticks, then they're legitimate. If it's like, you know, a little – if it's a little bag deal – again, these are the little – If you do the Riley Opelka and, like, carry your sticks all on one stick, like – you're there. You're there to do one thing, and you're yeah. there to hit like 25 aces and crack 135, 140, and like <laughs> play like four four shot points. Like you're there for one reason. It's a business it's, trip. It's, it's a business trip. He, he brings out the pink bag over the shoulder, carries the rest of his rackets, comes out with his hair outside of his hats. It's over. He's got the same look that you got with your hat, nice. Yeah. <laughs> you should have honestly been Riley Opelka. I think he might be the most distinguishable player that like is not one of the big three possible. Like, yeah, I mean the problem is six two. I just I need another foot. Like and I, I another foot. That's seven feet yeah. tall now. Yeah, it's not bad. You know, again, it's it's not that big of a bridge to gap, but yeah, it's a big freaking bridge to gap. Um, no, that's a, that's actually a good point. He probably is, and we're gonna get to it later. Best dressed right now on tours, uh, men's and women's best kits. Just anything Riley does, automatically on the short list. I agree with that, but. You know, again, when you look at the rackets that mm-hmm. I think the majority of players are playing with, and again, we just hosted uh, a, a junior tournament for uh, it was level five here in the Midwest, and I think without fail, you know, one of the uh, the big rackets you do see is just it, it's Head, it's Wilson, it's Babolat. Those are the big three right now, and I think it's the Head Boom. I want to say is the newest edition. That's the is that the green and like the the subtle turquoise or whatever it is. Yeah, it's, it's and like that so, foam green. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And someone had it this weekend, and really? I, or two weekends ago, I think they were I think they were just playing around with it. I think right. they were like and it and I was That's like or maybe it was in the pro shop or something. That would and be was, crazy if someone was already playing like matches with it because they they did put it out like with like in like a giveaway version like test yeah. it out give us some feedback. Um, Head did a really cool thing. They boxed it up in a super cool box. They gave you some instructions to kind of so they can track where all these rackets are, are going. And um, so every player can kind of give them feedback on what type of player they are and how they liked it and stuff. And then you kind of, the whole idea is to pass it on to a friend or another player and kind of get their feedback and it kind of goes around. Um, but yeah, it's super cool. You saw that on the market already. No, and I, the key thing was just, again, I, I saw it and I go, what is that? I was like, mm-hmm. that is a pretty racket. I was like, mm-hmm. I have not seen something like that before. And yeah, you're right. I don't think he was playing the match with it. I think I saw it snuck in the bag, and I was like, what yeah. is that? I was like, what are you doing here? Um, and I just, you know, again, I, I think you look at the head racket, obviously. Novak Djokovic, he uses a head racket. If it's good enough for him, it's good enough for anyone. Uh, obviously, Andy Murray has used one forever as well, and you can go up and down the list of successful players currently uh, using that brand. Your thoughts, again, where head rackets are at, and tell me about this head boom that I know is coming up soon. No, yeah, head, like you said, I mean, head's really taken off. It feels like they have like 25 different silos mm-hmm. and they all seem to be doing well. There's a market for every one of them. Um, but this new boom is, it's a lot different than any of the other heads I've hit with. I've been 
kind of testing rackets more so in the last eight to 10 months, more than I ever have. And uh, boom, um, just kind of differentiated its, uh, itself from the rest because it's got a more rounded frame than the traditional head frames. And it's lighter, it's stiff, it's a stiffer frame. I would like, I'm a, ba I'm a Babolat Pure Arrow guy. And this, this plays a lot more Babolat-esque with the, uh, as opposed to the more traditional head frame. Um, it's, yeah, like it's lighter, it's easier pop. Um, the string bed, I think it's, there'll be, it's a 16 by 19 that I was using. So um, pretty, fairly easy spin and, and power. And yeah, I mean like the one, I wasn't sure what, how I felt about the frame, but like some of those head rackets, it's easy. If you pick up the ball on your foot, it kind of just comes up with your, with the racket. This head is almost so rounded that like, it was harder to pick the ball up on my foot. That's how I kind of really noticed. I was like, wow, this is a different um, type of head shape, but I'm a big fan. I like the stiffer racket myself. Um, I don't seem to lose, like I don't, the control wasn't an issue for me as long as I'm stringing it up at like 60, 60 or 58. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I was a big fan of the boom. I think it'll do really well as a, as a power stick. Uh, rumor has it, they're going to try to get Matteo Berrettini in this. Um, at least the paint job of the boom. I don't. I mean, who knows if he'll ever change. Did he uh, use it in Vienna? I believe he was using the extreme still. But yeah, you're right. You're he, right. You're right. Yep. He uses the. Uh, he's got the limited edition all blacked out extreme. That is. That's super what sweet. it is. It's the color. That's you're right. Yep. yep. His racket's sweet looking though. Um, yeah. But yeah, him and Musetti kind of headlined that extreme uh, silo, which is super cool as well. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the boom is eleven uh, sixteen is the pre-sale date, date as well as the demo launch. So that's coming up in a uh, couple weeks. I expect that racket. I mean, they're doing a ton of promotion um, behind it, and I expect them to kind of get a big name like Berrettini behind it to kind of launch it, and I think it'll have a lot of uh, momentum coming out the gates. I do feel like Head's one of the rackets you can use right now and feel like you're you're swagged out on court. Like, I have the gravity a, as well. I mean, the, the yeah. colorways they have on these rackets are so, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're very, very clean. And yeah. – I feel like Babolat's very polarizing because the swing for a Babolat racket, you either love it or you don't. And this is not to be disrespectful to Babolat because, no, again, it works really, really well for – I would – I think it's number one right now. I think that's unofficial measurement. I'd defer to you. Um, but you look across – like I, I think a head racket is a little bit more suitable for various styles of players. It's a little bit more workable. Is that, is that a fair assessment? For sure. I think as far as comfortability goes and um, just the more flexible frame, I, I think that's a very fair assessment. I mean, the, the Babolat is, it's a very, it, it fits a unique type of player. And what, if, if you kind of go into a Babolat, my whole thing is it's like super hard to change out of it. Like you're mm -hmm. probably going to, you're just going to have a tough adjustment period from what I've experienced. But I think this, that's why head is kind of recognized that. And that's why they've created this stiffer frame so they can kind of keep those players in, in their, uh, in the business and in the market. At the same time, it's not a Wilson blade, right? Like a Wilson blade, respectfully, again, if you hit the sweet spot, the blade's for you. But the blade's stiff. There's no denying that either. I feel like this one does give a little more leeway. Definitely, definitely. I think that's – and they've done – they're actually going to launch a uh, the Prestige, a relaunch of the Prestige here mm -hmm. in the next couple of days with a demo launch coming up. We've got a lot of them in the office that I haven't cracked one out yet, but um, I've used the head Prestige Pro – uh, the last version of it. And that's, I mean, they've had Marin Schilich as their face of that line. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was kind of, I was kind of worried. I was like, what, what are they going to do about the, who's going to head this? But then, <laughs> and you see what he did in St. Petersburg. Yeah. He rips his, off nine and 10. Gets, man. Crazy. Right. Gets his 20th title of his career. And now it's like, he's got some momentum behind his name and um, he actually had a nice one today as well. So uh, maybe they stick with Ch Chilich as the head of the new prestige that's set to launch here in a couple of days. Um, but that's, that's another racket that's, it's another head racket. It's very, it's for a, for a very precise player, a very technical player. Uh, they got the new, I mean, the graphene 360 technology is, wasn't the last model as well, but um, yeah, just, it kind of gives you that a lot more support along the frame with like the spot, the spiral fibers that they've included at like the three, nine, 12 uh, marks of the racket, as well as in the throat, which adds flexibility. Um, but it's a heavier racket, 11.8 ounces strong. Um, but yeah, I think that 16 by 19 pattern just still gives you that spin friendly um, frame. And that's another racket that heads coming out with here soon that um, is going to hit the market hard. And I think you'll find some players switching to that as well. So mm -hmm. I, I believe, aren't you a, a prestige guy? I, again, Prince graphites through and through. I just, you're still on the Prince graphite. 
someone's got to keep them going. Sure. It's, someone's got to collect them. There's a there's a you and John uh, Isner. No, me, John, and Ronnie Schneider. That's a group. We we just do what we got to do. Um, yeah, and the Kumar brothers back in 2011. Um, no, it's uh, I. <laughs> I really like. It. I mean, the truth is, if I'm looking for the closest to the graphite, I do think it might be a head racket. Like, I do think one of these head. I mean, because the blade's just too heavy. Like, a graphite's not as heavy as the blade is. It does have that stiffness, but I don't know. I'm also you see these arms as ripped as I am. It's, let's just say that the swing speed isn't what it once was. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean. It's interesting. I, I I don't like the freeness of the Bablot swing. That's just not for me personally, but I totally yep. see why it works for some people who are just like, yep, let's let's drive this bad boy. I do think if I were to switch right now, and this is a call if you are part of the head team and you are interested, very, very bribable, uh, I do think a head racket would be for me. Like They are the models I like the most because I just think they kind of – it's the middle ground racket. It, like, again, not to paint every frame with a broad stroke, but I do think it's the middle ground racket. Mm-hmm. No, I think they got the right. I've played with the radical a fair amount yeah. and the gravity. Those are two other silos I really have enjoyed hitting with uh, for different reasons. I think the gravity is one of the, uh, I mean, just hitting volleys and it just feels great, great touch, great control. And then the radical kind of gives you a little more pop, in my opinion, a little stiffer than the, than the gravity. So they, I mean, they really do have a lot going on over there and, um, no, I'm, I'm always impressed with what head comes out with. Mm-hmm. So the Prestige, is, it, I was going to say, Prestige is an 11-4 launch. I want to say that's November 4th. Yes, sir. As far that, as I know. Is yeah. that their gift to my parents for their anniversary? They, uh, see, Mom, they, I didn't forget. <laughs> that's funny you say. My mom's like, can you, can you give me a new racket? Just give me anything that you think I would like. I'm like... <laughs> How do I do? I mean, I don't know how to go about this process. I've never, but but I'll give him my best shot. Mom. Yeah, it's like picking shoes. It's like that's not how it works. Oh, right. Yeah, exactly. It's not. Okay, like whatever a, you get me. I'm like, all right, all right. I went to Walmart. Here, so you like SpongeBob? Yeah, here's your SpongeBob racket. My mom's birthday is tomorrow, so I was like, I gotta act quickly here, but we're gonna make it happen here. Happy early birthday, Mrs. Walrath. Uh, <laughs> off, give me that happy birthday sound effect, please. Um, no, I, I I do, again, a ton of good gear at head. So, again, Prestige, 11-4 launch, demos yep. only at Tennis Point. Uh, again, sell date to be determined. Head boom, 11-16 launch. That's pre-sale and demos as well. All of that available at tennis uh, pointcom uh, Speaking of shoes, give me the new Adidas collection. Tell me what you guys have coming. Uh, so yeah, the barricades launched this year. I think that was three, two or I think three years off the market before. So they basically put in like two, two years of innovation into the uh, latest 12th edition barricade. And I mean, you can, in my opinion, I mean, it, it, it does not go unnoticed with what they put into the shoe. Um, I've been wearing this in like whenever I'm playing matches or hitting as uh, my primary shoe. I mean, if I'm coaching, I'm definitely putting it on the gel resolution eights, probably the most comfortable shoe that I've ever worn, but uh, the Adidas Barricades, as far as performance and durability and like stability, that's that's the shoe for me. I mean, that's that's a high end shoe. Very like the support structure in that shoe is unbelievable. The new asymmetric lacing system, uh, it's a new technology they just put in there. It kind of it's an improved lockdown and just a better snug fit. Uh, as the tongue never leaks. I mean, you know those shoes that are the worst when like the tongue consistently leaks to the left or the right, and you're constantly pulling it back to the middle. That is no longer an issue with this new barricade. Uh, you're just locked in there. And then it also takes pressure off the top of your foot, which I think is helps a lot because I like to tie my shoes super tight, wear two pairs of socks. So, I mean, it's not really going anywhere on me. And then they also put sense pods into the uh, back of the shoe to grip the heel into the foot. So it prevents any slippage. It's for people that are aggressive movers or slide, they slide on the hard court, um, it kind of prevents that heel from slipping out of the shoe or pulling up a little bit. Um, and then it's just a very responsive shoe with a ton of cushion. And then they've done it all without adding too much weight. So the Adidas Barricade is, I mean, you, you have Sebastian Corda, uh, you got Daniel Evans, and then you'll have Team when he makes his debut in Abu Dhabi uh, with the uh, Barricades as well. So a lot of the top guys are using it. They haven't, I mean, they, they haven't, I mean, you got still Steph and Zverev and those guys using the uh, Ubersonics and the Soul Courts, but the Adidas Barricade is a great shoe. And it's, and I almost think it's almost like the Babylon racket. It's, definitely for a certain type of player and it's and like once you use the barricade and you get used to it it's hard to flip out of that especially when you're like in matches Mm -hmm. no you guys you guys listeners may know the story ty kwiatkowski 
famously, when he went to Virginia, a Nike school said, I cannot switch out of barricades. Like, I need to wear barricades. The other shoes just don't work for me. Yeah, I, I like that comp to the Babolat racket. It is a polarizing shoe. We can also talk about how Andy Murray, uh, it was Indian Wells, I believe, yeah. where he ran out of Under Armour shoes yeah. and then just had to go buy a pair of barricades. Is what he, but I mean, everybody knows he used to be a Adidas shoe guy, mm-hmm. and then he had to pull this whole story about how he lost his shoes because they had the wedding ring on it, and then they were returned. It was one of the goofiest stories. <laughs> I truly believe that he did it because of all the publicity that it got. People were, like Tennis Warehouse posted a picture of him wearing the barricades, mm-hmm. and I think he was just like, "Oh, <laughs> like I actually like people actually care what's, what's on my feet." I'm a like, setup. I love this theory. I'm in. You're still Andy Murray. People are still gonna market you if you put on the Adidas barricades. And so he came up with this big long story on Instagram of how his shoes disappeared, miraculously just turned up all three pairs that are all sweaty with mm-hmm. the ring still attached because he put up an Instagram, like the world was like, oh God, like I stole his shoes. I'm gonna go give them back. Like just a crazy story that no one talked about, but the barricades were leaked on Andy Murray's feet. And I was like, I'm sure that did Adidas some, a little bit of favor, but it, it blows my mind that he's still in an Under Armour shoe to this day. I mean, they yeah. must be just, I don't know what they're doing for him, but. I mean, he complained about him at the U.S. Open as well. And, I mean, yeah, some good cheddar over there. Yeah, exactly. That's all that it's about. I mean, I'm in on the conspiracy. I'm in. I'm all in on it. Yeah. That, was, are we going to get a 2022 announcement? Andy's back on barricades that he's done with the AM line. He's in back on Adidas. It'd start, be a great time to start do it. Finished. Yeah, I know. I mean, I mean, he's going to be top 100 by the time 2022 comes around with the new barricade colorways. I think that's just a perfect match right there. Well, I think this is a good segue into some of the other things we wanted to talk about today. And since I have you here, we got to talk some tennis, obviously. Mm-hmm. Seven match points blown yesterday against Dom Kofer, who, let's be clear, former number one college tennis player in the country for Tulane. We always root for the college tennis ties here at Cracked Rackets. And I almost wanted to send the tweet like, yay, college tennis, just like in whispers. But you can't send a tweet in a whisper yesterday when there was a lot of you know, justifiably upset Andy Murray fans. And certainly Andy Murray remains as captivating. One of these stories on the ATP tour, when he plays, it's must-see TV. He can still put butts in the seats. And mm-hmm. I do think, like, of course, you. it's just great to see him back out on court. But I do think it's been noticeable. He has gotten significantly better over the course of his three months since the comeback. And I've said this before on these podcasts, but I go back to what he was at Wimbledon. And even though he made the third round, I thought Andy Murray was terrible at Wimbledon. Like the movement was off, the slices out of the corners. It just wasn't vintage Andy Murray. It looked like a guy who had had multiple hip surgeries. And now you look at him, 18-15 and 15 here in 2021 overall. That said, you know, again, Round of 32, Indian Wells. Beats Alcaraz, beats Manorino before getting knocked out by Zverev. Then beats Tiafo in three before a loss to Schwartzman in Antwerp. Beats Hercots before a loss to Alcaraz uh, in Vienna. Loses now three sets to Dom Kopfer. Yeah, there are a lot of close losses. But mm-hmm. I, I like, and there are people saying, you know, close loss isn't enough anymore. Or, you know, he can't get over the finish line. Like, I could not disagree any more than like with that. I just think, and yeah, we're an optimistic podcast here. We try to focus on the positives, but the only takeaway from watching Andy Murray compete, it's not the tentativeness. That's always been a, a part of the Andy Murray equation. It's not the, you know, oh, I do think the serve is actually noticeable because he is trying to shorten some points, but it's the improvement in his fitness. Like, Nate, he's a different player coming out of corners now, despite losing that match 7-6 in the third, despite blowing the seven set points. You know, he lost that first set. Like, a lesser man loses that match in straights. That Andy even was in that third set is a testament to the progress he's made. What was he down, 2-5 in the second? Or... Yeah, brutal, yeah. I mean, but, you know, like you said, his movement is much improved. He's finding much better depth off both wings, particularly the backhand, which has always been kind of a strength of his. He's leaning into that shot a lot better than he was three months ago. Uh, just it's it, his, the pop is still there, I feel like, now that he's, his fitness has improved, he still gets easy pop and – I'm, I'm convinced that Andy Murray has never not got to a drop shot when he makes the, uh, uh, uh. I mean, if he makes these two noises, he's getting to the ball. Like the, he's getting to the drop shot. If he doesn't say a word, it's a winner. If he makes those, those, those grunts that make it like sound like he's like a, like a dying duck, he's getting to your drop shot. So and he's, ma- and he's probably gonna hit a passing shot. This is an excellent point. And 
I have adopted that in my real life where if I am changing directions and I call it the old man grunt where it's just (laughs) – like literally where it's just because he's trying to stop and turn directions and exert himself when you're over the age of I'll say 25 because that's where I'm at now. um, (laughs) You know, you just – a grunt comes out where it's just like it's a visceral. It used to be a breath. Now it's a grunt. Andy Murray's had that grunt since he was like 24. And it's honestly – it might be the most captivating and just again – you know, captivating is the right word, part of his game where you're just, it's so human. Like that grunt is so relatable and you're it right. Is. It's a double dose of, ugh, as he it's changes direction cool. now. Yeah. He always doubles down on it. And <laughs> he's getting to the <laughs> ball. Like, yeah. He's never going to let the fans down and not get to that shot if he lets exactly. it out. Exactly. That is, it's too good. But he but also no, tracks it down now. Like that is the difference uh, between him and, and grass courts are obviously different than hard courts. But I think it's the, like there was the on the run passing shot he hit against Hercats, the on the run forehand down the line that went around tennis Twitter last week in Vienna. And even, you know, the four all in the third set point he played against Kopfer where he ends up tracking down the drop shot and, you know, getting that ball by Kopfer down the line. A lot of those points started with him in backhand corners. Mm-hmm. And I'm t- I just think in those first few months, not to harp on this point, but he was not – he was slicing that ball. And yep. when you slice that ball, you're screwed. He's yep. not anymore. And it gives him <laughs> yeah. that much more time to change direction. And then you look for him just – again, the overall stats here for Andy Murray this season. You know, it's not – right home the mom and dad about good but he's holding 80.5 percent of the time that's a percent below his career average he's you know that's not bad he's winning 72.9 percent of his first serve points it's a percent below his career average the serve is starting to catch up the break percentage at 22.3 percent is not great however you know especially when his career average is over 31 percent and which is all-timer and he's arguably one of the five best returners in tennis history I do think, you know, again, the the ability to sh- stop and shift directions, especially as a returner, that's key because you're at the mercy so frequently of the plus one ball of your opponent. Yep. And Andy's yep. not in 2017, 2016 levels of getting back that plus one ball, but he's not, you know, he doesn't look hobbled anymore either. He just looks like a guy trying to regain his footing. And what yep. that tells me is that the step is for, still there. And I just cannot believe the first step is still there for Andy Murray after everything. No, that's, that's the thing. Like you said, the first step is back. It's a, it's a violent push off again that he didn't have a few months ago. He's back to that quick burst and he, he uses that racket as a third leg when he's trying to stop. So I'm and, and he's back to a relevant tennis player. I expect him to compete at these tournaments and have more top 25 wins um, going forward. And I just, I really can't believe it because I, I thought his career was pretty much done. Mm-hmm. And the come, but the comeback is on, and he's as hungry as any tennis player on the tour. And he's had plenty of success to kind of call it quits and mail it in. But Andy Murray is a legend, and he's going to keep fighting, and he's going to have a big 2022. And what, whether big as big is not what it was at 2016's Andy Murray mm-hmm. level, but to be a top at 50 guy recovery, again, yeah. I mean, I mean, if he can compete and maybe be the top. It's gonna to be tough though. Cam Norrie's gonna have something to say about that, so yeah. we'll see. But Andy Murray, I, I'm I'm just it's a happy story. I know people like my mom who are big fans of my dad are all like, "Wow, he's back!" Like, and I'm like, he's gonna outlast Roger Federer, arguably. Is more, <laughs> I mean, I mean, we'll see. But I mean, it looks like he's gonna have a more prolonged career than Roger, which that seemed out of the question not that long ago. Well, he's gonna go for it. There's no doubt about that. And you're right. At age 34, you typically don't get better anymore now to get Andy Murray back on court at all is a victory and we've all said that since the beginning that is not a hot take that is a common take but to see him get exponentially better from even the start of June to where we are now in October and just the physicality he's displayed in each and every match there are those who in the line of thought justifiably that he just can't play this tentatively anymore and again there were plenty of swinging volleys yesterday, plenty of match points on his serve where he you got to get over the finish line, of course, if you want to be a top 50 player. It goes without saying. But mm-hmm. I just didn't think he had three hours in him routinely anymore, the two and a half he puts up. And he does. And isn't that wasn't that the question mark for Andy mm-hmm. Murray coming in? It's like, is the fitness still there? Because the tennis will come back. He's Andy mm-hmm. Murray. Like, the tennis yep. will be there. But the fitness coming back at age 34, that's not a thing. And it is yep. a thing right now. So, again, Fritz's knee surgeon, Murray's hip surgeon, players of the year. That is that is facts. The, the City Poss match at the U.S. Open was what did it for me. I was like, all right, I'm back in. And, no, you're right. The Taylor Fritz comeback story off that quick of a turnaround with limited recovery. I mean, wh- whoever his physical therapist is and that surgeon, I don't know what they did, but the guy is playing possessed again. And 
I know Paul Anacone has to be happy with what he's seeing because this guy looks like a legit top 15, top 10 guy again. I mean, he's got the firepower. I just watching him serve today, like he looked like he was kind of down and out today against Semego. Mm-hmm. He goes with the two ball bounce, quick serve. Like he just never gets out of rhythm and he just serves his way back into it, kind of finds the forehand. His backhand is he's got a smooth backhand. I like I like how he can find the down the line on the backhand now. He's got great control. I mean, he's moving so well. You could never tell he was under under the under the scope or under the the, the uh, knife like what six months ago. Mm-hmm. No, it, it, you're absolutely right. And by the way, as we're recording this, and it'll be a, a separate podcast uh, released a little bit later for our listeners. But Djokovic right now three two in the third set up on Fucevic. Marcos uh, Francis Tiafo on serve up three two in the third set against Marcos Giron. Giron serving down fifteen thirty in that third set. Those are some of the uh, matchups, obviously, to monitor right now. But I'm curious for you. Give me the players you're watching here at, at in Paris. Obviously, you've got Djokovic back in action, Medvedev back in action. It feels like Alex Virov doesn't lose anymore. I think he's 23-2 and two since the start of the Olympics. And look, Tsitsipas looking to bounce back. You've got Rublev. You've got informed players like Chilich coming off of a title, like Fritz coming off mm-hmm. of Indian Wells and then the final last week in Moscow. Obviously, Yannick Sinner's only loss was after he was up a set and 4-1 down in his last three indoor hardcourt tournaments. He won 23 freaking consecutive sets. I'm so in on Yannick Sinner, but that's a discussion, I suppose, yeah. on a different time. Who are you watching closely this week? What are the storylines you're monitoring? I was super excited to see how Americans go 3-0 and off the gates today mm-hmm. uh, with Tommy Paul, Opelka, and Fritz. And now they'll go to 4-1 and one with whoever wins this match with the uh, Giron and Tiafo. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just split sets, like you said, 3-2 in the third. Uh, Tiafo is playing amazing. Um, I just never – I didn't know if I thought he had this type of level in him. Um, the Yannick Center match, unbelievable. I was – everybody was like, come on, man, it's time to go. We're, we're, we're in Nashville. I'm like, dude, I got to watch this, man. Like, I got to watch this <laughs> I was like, I'm not Been missing there so many times, my friend. I mean, he's putting on a show. I was like, you have to appreciate what this guy is doing for the, for the game of tennis. And I thought what Yannick Sinner had to say after the match was I, – I felt pretty strongly about that. I thought that was pretty weak on his part. I know he's young, but you're in the top 10. Tiafo, you notice he's a performer. And to call him, like, disrespectful, I mean, maybe a little bit. But, I mean, come on. It's like Tiafo was playing out of his mind, having fun with the, like, with the fans. That's what tennis needs. I thought Sinner was a little out of place in saying that he was being disrespectful. I mean, I mean, Tiafo caught it the best week of his life. I mean, he knows it and re- recognized that this was like the best tennis, the, one of the highest levels. He's down and out, four and one in the second set, comes back and just, I mean, put on a clinic. And Sinner was in form, playing out of his mind. And the fact that he was able to like out baseline Sinner and just outmaneuver him, he, I mean, he pegged him with a volley, then he hit him again. I mean, like he was just on another level. And I was, I was, I know, uh, Chad Lominick was probably going absolutely bananas. I wish I could have got his live reaction on that match, but um, Tiafa was was just so fun to watch in, in Austria, and that was him coming in here and getting another. Like if he is able to pull this out, I mean that's a big time year. He beats Sitsipas twice. I mean he does damage and ha- gives Zverev a great um, battle in the final there. I thought that was super cool. A nice embrace after the match there with Zverev that uh, Zverev was like, appreciative of what he's able to do for tennis and believes in him as a top. 10 player and someone that can contend for titles going forward. And yeah, I think Francis Tiafa was one that's caught my eye recently. Like you said, Sinner has been on a tear as well. I mean, it's hard to not watch every Carlos Alcaraz match. Um, he struggled a little bit today against uh, Herbert, but that guy's a tough customer. And if you're not hitting your spots and your passing shots aren't on point, Herbert is just a tough customer. But the fact that Alcaraz was able to pull that out, not playing his best, I thought that was super impressive. Uh, especially on the slow hard courts, I, I just can't believe how slow these courts are. Watching these guys, it's like impossible to hit a winner. I mean, that's it been takes... the theme here down the home stretch: Moscow, St. Petersburg, Nur Sultan, Indian Wells, Paris. I don't mind that they're all consecutively. Like I do, I right. if we're gonna, and this is you could just call it the Marin Chilich portion of the calendar because sincerely, <laughs> it's like it's geriatric tennis. He's like, oh, I get an extra half second to get to the ball and swing freely, and my serves that much more effective. And by the way kind of applies to Fritz as well where it's just like if his weakness is his speed and the biggest you know and again these courts are neutralizing that aspect you can't give these guys time they're too dangerous but I agree with you the court speed has been absolutely noticeable I I just can't it's hard to believe it but you have Gael Monfils having to crack the ball 118 120 miles an hour in the forehand just to hit a winner I mean that's crazy it it is crazy I, I, I was actually shocked I mean I don't know what they're doing to these courts I don't know if they're putting like a rougher I mean, finish on the top of these courts like sandpaper or what, but 
the ball doesn't look like it's going anywhere. I mean, the ball is hitting at the baseline and it's just popping up and the guys are easily like routining these balls from the baseline off pick off just easy pickups. And I just, I'm like, wow, it's unbelievable. I mean, Gael playing against, um, Gael playing against Kachmanovic today, Kachmanovic was hitting balls consistently at the baseline, but it, it never got close to getting through Gael. So I thought that was just interesting. I know Bublik was pretty upset with how slow they were. Uh, I know he got a big win the other day, but I'm a big Bublik fan as well. So I was, I, I like, I don't know. I like a variety in, in, in the hard courts, slow to fast, but it's been noticeably slow. As, I mean, in, yeah, Indian Wells ain't here, just the conditions, but uh, it doesn't bother some guys. And it's like, there, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where he plays. As long as it's a hard court, he's going to do work. True story, 2015 Champagne Challenger. It was a Saturday night. It was Fritz versus Mackie McDonald. And we were getting ready to go out. And I was like, guys, they're going to a third. I was like, sorry. I Start without me. I was like, don't worry. I was like, or we got to turn this on the main screen. And they were like, absolutely not. I was like, but it's my cation. I was like, come on. Um, and obviously that went over extraordinarily well. Um, but no, I, I – no, I, I think, again, when you look at all of these guys here competing uh, this week in Paris, you're right. It, it I think what's so noticeable is just how open it all feels. Like, you look at some of these round of 32 matchups, Fritz versus Rublev. Rublev's mm-hmm. the favorite, but Fritz can win. Like, is there any doubt? And, you know, those are both guys, 1997ers, who've been competing against each other forever. And it just feels like a lot of, you know, those young guys, 96, 97, 98, have started to ascend towards their prime here this season. Mm-hmm. You know, Nori winning you know arguably your most improved player of the year he's got opelka tomorrow indoor hardcore against riley opelka like that match mm-hmm. is going to be interesting faa or oh, ex- oh sorry that's a first time matchup i believe i don't know if those two have played before they had to have at some point i think they played year-end finals itf masters 2014 that like tokyo match let me look that up rublev Fritz. All I'm right, gonna, that's, i think i'm right here i that's think out of I'm pocket right, right there Let's see. Rublev Fritz. So they've played in Dubai before. It was a three. Oh, I thought you were. Okay, okay, okay. I thought you talked about Opelka versus Cam. My fault. Oh, 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 my bad. No, I, I, sorry. I was talking Fritz Rublev. I was like, I'm no, pretty Rublev, sure they yeah. No, Fritz 2015 Rublev played... ITF Junior Masters. Let's go, though. I just. That's I would huge like to say, right there. Let's no, go. It's, I think. Shout out Colette. Fritz, Fritz is, since they've been on the ATP tour, I believe Fritz is one and two against them. Mm-hmm. But yep. no, Opelka and Cam Nori, that's the first matchup, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, that's an interesting one for me. And then Tommy Paul versus Hercotch. I mean, I know the slow, uh, hard courts probably benefit Hercotch and his length and his, his freakish ability to cover every bit of court space. Mm-hmm. And plus the 135 serve doesn't really be – it's not much uh, affected by the uh, slow courts. But that's another matchup. I know Tommy Paul has been playing great tennis this year. He's – I mean, a little hint here. He's In my opinion, he's top of the line, best dressed one of them. I mean, he's, <laughs> that pink outfit is fire, man. Yeah, I no disagreement there. And I mean, again – Does well, he have a chance? Best dressed? No, of course he has the best. He's got a chance for best. Dressed. Oh, to win the match. <laughs> does, he have a, does he have a chance against Hercotch? You know, I had a debate with someone. If is that if Tommy Paul was good, would that be the best thing possible for American men's tennis? Just because a extraordinarily good looking guy, swag he brings, would that make American tennis cool? The consensus we came to is he would be second to Tiafo, which just for so many different reasons: the charisma, the story, all of the above. But yeah, when Tommy's locked in, he can play with just about everyone. And the better the opponent, the better the Tommy. And just the thing about Hercots is Hercots plays decisive. Hercots will punish Tommy if he leaves a ball in the center of the court. And when Tommy's mm-hmm. actually at his best is when he's reading, when he's reacting, when he's forced to, you know, again, just play improvisational gut reaction tennis. And that's what Hercots forces out of you. I think that match gets spicy. I think that one should be particularly fun. Now, Hubie's got a year-end finals he's chasing, and there will be a degree of urgency to him that I don't want to say Tommy doesn't have, but Tommy got the first-round win after qualifying over Stroof. He's played a bunch of matches here in the past few days. It's an interesting one. I like Hubie, but, I mean, again, up and down the board. Casper Ruud versus Bublik, I'm in on that. A potential Tiafo-Schwartzman rematch, in on that. Dimitrov-Hachinov, you know, let's not forget Karen Hachinov, winner of the Paris Masters yeah. not too long ago. Alcaraz, Sinner, hello. Ivashka's quietly been one of the breakthrough players of the year as well. He's taken on Daniil Medvedev. That is no easy task for Medvedev in a first match back. And then, you know, you have Zombie Chilich versus Zombie Burdich in Marin Chilich at this phase of his career versus Sebastian Korda. So I do think it's fascinating. I do think, again, it's a really interesting Paris Masters. Put you on the spot before we move on. Give me your prediction. For the winner? Give for a winner. Give me your winner. I'll take 
I'll take Sasha Zverev. I just, yeah. I don't know. He's, I know he hasn't won the major yet. That is, but it's, it's going to come sooner or later. And his confidence right now, I mean, just ever since he came off that Olympic, uh, when it's just been at another level and he's just, I don't know what, I don't know how you go into a match against Zverev and game plan, like to beat him. Like, I don't know what the strategy is there. Um, <laughs> before you move on, I need you to ask Michigan state's nah. team about the Tommy Paul versus Christian Guerin match at Western and Southern at like 1 a.m. on court 11. Michigan State, I mean, they had, Gene Orlando had the whole squad stay till 1 a.m. because Tommy Paul's coach went in the locker room uh, <laughs> after a rain delay and kind of hyped up the Michigan State team, you know, said like, he could really use your support, blah, blah, blah. Those guys created an atmosphere that I would imagine Tommy Paul has got to say it's one of his top 10 most memorable matches of his career. I mean, he went and dapped up every Michigan State player after he beat Garen, and Garen was fed up with the crowd who was just chanting, like, Michigan State's team was just the, the cheers that came up with the Tommy Paul were elite. <laughs> and that was just maybe the most fun match I've ever attended in person. But that, I had to shout that out because I thought that was an absolute, um, just a clinic of great tennis, great ball striking, great movement. But, um, no, I think Sasha Zverev is my prediction. I just don't know how you game plan against him if you're not on your A game. And I think there's only a couple guys – that can do it and it's, it's Medvedev and Novak if he's at the top of his game yeah it's a, again hard to disagree with that point um I mean yeah, yeah I, I I did this whole take yesterday on the mini break podcast of why I think Zverev might actually just be the best player in the world now and I know you and I talked about this um not too long uh you know uh, on the phone call when we were talking last weekend but yeah, he's got the momentum on his side He's match tough. Djokovic and Zverev are, are Djokovic and Medvedev, excuse me, aren't as match tough right now. And again, he's got the chip on his shoulder. Djokovic got his, you know, Djokovic three slams, but now he's just getting some match play under his belt here down this season. Make sure he ends the year as number one. Medvedev got that grand slam off of his belt. And I'm not saying he's not going to still have urgency because he's in the midst of the prime of his career, but he's, you know, he won Paris Masters last year. He won the year in finals last year. He gain that momentum. And I know Zverev's won the year on finals before as well, but he wants to go into that 22, A, 2022 Australian Open nowhere near Novak Djokovic's side of the draw. And that means being the number three player in the world and forcing whomever the other, or maybe they'll go one, three, two, four, but just putting himself in a position, ideally be number two in the world. And just you're in control of that fact and you surpass Medvedev and whatever it may be. Mm. But yeah, like Zverev on hard courts this year, Outside of the strange loss to Rusevori, which came the match after Acapulco, he had just won Acapulco two days prior or a day prior, whatever it may be. He's yep. lost to Djokovic twice. He's lost to Medvedev. Like, that's I that's the list. And yeah, he lost Indian Wells seven six in the third to Taylor Fritz. Like that's the that's what it takes to beat Zverev on hard courts this year. And he's just playing better than the other two guys right now. So I, I don't I, you know, yeah, I, how, how do you argue with that pick? I mean, don't sleep on Yannick Sinner, who I know has played a ton of tennis, but just the Sin man's ready for the big result, and we haven't quite seen it yet. And I, would, I really would love to see him get that final spot at the year in finals. All due respect to Hubie, all due respect to Cam Norrie, who both deserve it. I'll go Zverev as well. I know it's a very conventional pick, and for whatever it's worth, tennis abstract per, uh, formula right now, Djokovic, 26.5% favorite to win the event that... Makes sense. He's still Novak freaking Djokovic, but it's it's a definitive top three. It goes Djokovic, 26.5%. Medvedev, 20.5%. Zverev's actually 20.8%, slightly ahead of the Neil Medvedev. Then you get a big drop to uh, Tsitsipas at 10.2. So, no, Novak. It's like we do have a. I do think also Medvedev, uh, particularly on hard courts, Medvedev, Zverev have distinguished themselves from Tsitsipas. And I do think mm-hmm. there's kind of a definitive pecking order there. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously, Djokovic is right up there with him. I think those are the three guys on any hardcore event we play here moving forward that they're in. My last two takeaways of this week is, one, I absolutely love that Novak came back and played doubles in his first event back. Yeah. I mean, showed the passion that, like, I mean, he just loves playing tennis. I mean, they, his emotions, and I think he's he's great for the game when he does that and plays with another fellow countryman. Uh, just, I know those fellow Serbs loved it, and they kind of feed off that. I think kind of rejuvenates them going forward that, that the greatest player of all time, arguably, would like love to play doubles with them. I thought that was great. The match point forehand was just an absolute bomb. And then lastly, Grigor Dimitrov, like not not quite as crazy of Andy Murray comeback, but I felt like Grigor had kind of just fallen off a little bit. And he just looks like he's as fit as he's ever been, at least in the last eight to ten years. 
Mm-hmm. He's putting on some shows. He's, I mean, he's beating. I mean, the, the win against Herkots was amazing. Yeah, he beat Medvedev as well. So I think and Grigor looked sharp today against Gasquet. I know Gasquet was playing pretty damn good tennis, and Grigor just kept. I mean, just bad, just kept battling, and he uh, cal- he kind of calmed down after that second set. Uh, he got broke late and came right back in the third and just the backhand, one-handed backhand slingshot backhand on the line was just like you knew it was over after he hit that shot. So. Happy for Grigor. That's that green outfit is fits him well. They got to retire that after this season. That's that's one of the greatest outfits in tennis that I've ever seen, in my opinion. Um, yeah. So with that in mind, we're gonna rapid fire through. Well, I need one more tennis take out of you because I do want to talk best dressed. Actually, we're you know what? Let's save best dressed for next week. I'm gonna get to sure. talk to you every week. So I do want to fire one more tennis related take at you because again, and I you know I say this lovingly. You're in the circle. There are a few tennis nerds out there who I know, hey, if I text this person about watching an 8 p.m. stream, there's actually, if it's a binary system, they're on the one side of, yeah, they're watching this 8 p.m. stream. You watched Vegas last week. You saw the 498ers, all American players, Mo, Kovacevic, Kozlov, J.J. Wolf, I know is near and dear, obviously, to you guys over at Tennis Point, reached Mm -hmm. the semifinals. Let me just read some of these first-round matchups for you this week in Charlottesville. Kozlov for Tangelo. Kruger Kudla. Here's the best on the list. JJ Wolf taking on wildcard Martin Dom, the young, tall, lefty American, super, super talented. You've also got a Jack Sock, Mikhail Torpegard first round matchup that I am all in on. You've got Kwiatkowski versus Blaze Rolla for the college tennis hardcores. That's a fun one as well. Is Gomez in that? Emilio? Yeah. No Emilio in this one. I think he's playing elsewhere this week. I'll look that up while I ask this question. But uh, my question over to you is this. Your thoughts on last week's action in Vegas and just, again, the plethora of Americans we have competing across levels in Charlottesville as well this week. Yeah, I mean, I was I mean, I mean, was watching that, – that's probably one of the most fun tournaments I watched last week. The, the one thing I was noticing was, like, how much noise pollution there was during that event. I mean, I don't know how those guys played through that. I'd rather fans talk continuously – and listen to like aircraft carriers fly like 100 feet over my head every two seconds. Have you ever that been to Orlando? Was that? Have you ever been to the national campus no. in Orlando? Oh, no. are you in no. for a treat, my friend? That was crazy though. Um, but I was texting. I actually used to coach with Emilio Gomez's sister this past Playing summer. Playing Tenerife, Spain this week. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Cool. No, Gomez impressed me. I thought he, he had chances there in, in that event as well. But my main takeaway from Vegas was first the Kudlivers Wolf match was was great tennis. Mm-hmm. Uh, happy for for JJ to pull that out. To beat a guy like Kudla, who's a very tough customer, especially on American hard courts. Uh, JJ's getting his confidence back coming off that injury. The last two, three months, he's kind of just been rounding out his uh, fitness level and finding his confidence. Um, he plays extremely big. He feels like the matches are almost 90% of the time on his racket. And yeah, he looked very confident. His movement's getting a little better. Uh, he's looking more comfortable coming forward, and he just hits through these guys at an impressive rate. So, big title for JJ. Um, but there was a good tennis. All like Kozlov is coming on hot. He beat mm-hmm. JJ in Columbus not too long ago, so that was a big redemption for JJ to kind of come out there and kind of get that match under his belt and just continue his um, to get his confidence back. He jumped 35 spots back up to the 160s. I think or actually 160. So, mm-hmm. I think heading into 2022 to get that momentum back under his belt where he was supposed to be before the injury was he was heading towards that top 100 mark. Uh, and that's just a big lift for him because I do believe in Wolf as a top uh, 50 talent with his firepower. If he can kind of figure out in-match um, strategy and just kind of play with more a little more variety. I just need a little bit more continental grip out of Wolf on, re- on the return game especially. But if he can kind of figure out that, I mean, Wolf's got a ton of potential. I mean, he's an electric athlete, huge firepower, live arm, can crack 135. Um, yeah, I, I was I was impressed with a lot of the tennis that I saw in Vegas. Yeah. So I'll give you this number. JJ's played 58 matches at the challenger level since the start of 2019. Of course, 2019, his breakout year for Ohio State, his breakout year in general. All of those challenger matches have been on hard courts. What's wow. his record in those 58 matches? Dang. Oh, 58 matches? Man, let's go with, did he win 40? 46 and 12. Wow. 46 and 12, Nate. He is wow. winning 80%, essentially, of his challenger level matches. Now it's one surface and he has to prove it from a movement perspective in particular on the clay. Mm-hmm. But if you're winning 80% of your matches at the challenger level on hard courts, 
mm-hmm. you will be approaching the top 100. You will get back to that level, and I think he nailed it on the head. Let's not forget, J.J. was on the ascension there before injury slowed him down. That's what slowed him down. It wasn't a tennis issue. It was mm-hmm. a body issue. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, that serve, that forehand belonged in the top 100. I think it's as simple as that, and so I, I completely agree with you, and that's why I'm so fascinated by the Martin-Dom matchup because you talk mm-hmm. about the returns. That's the sort of pressure Dom's going to put on you. Big mm-hmm. serve, big plus one ball. How does JJ respond to that firepower? Certainly he's got the goods to keep pace. How's his body holding up after last week in Vegas? You always like him on an indoor hard court. That is the conditions here in Charlottesville. No, it's, it's, it's fascinating. One thing, the one thing I saw with Wolf is he's taking like a new approach on the return game. Like he's almost like leap. Like I know everybody like does like the quick split step on the ball toss, but he almost like jumps like six feet like a It's cheetah. like a platform step. Yeah. Like, he jumps, like, into the ball. Like, I've never seen him, like, tries to cut off the angles on the serve. I mean, he's doing it at a pretty high level. But as these guys start to can it, 135, 130, I mean, I just wonder what he'll kind of do is from a strategy standpoint is if he'll kind of stop trying to kind of take the ball on the hop and kind of direct redirect the serve or if he'll kind of go continental and play that first shot to the baseline like we've seen Federer do for all these years. But, no, I think, the as you said, the movement comes back. J.J. is going to be a problem. Yeah, it, and so again, I think he wins another challenger here. You've got Champagne down the line as well. Indoor hardcourt season is JJ Wolf's season, so I agree with you. Things have lined up beautifully. It's great to see him healthy, and now you know semifinals Columbus title here in Vegas. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see how he competes in Charlottesville. But you know what else I'm fascinated about? The opportunity to get to do this with you, Nate each and every week and again tennis point tuesday is going to be a new series here we'll talk about the latest and greatest products i'm also going to pick nate's brain about tennis because as you can tell we have plenty of fun to discuss and again our listeners know tennis-point.com for all the latest and greatest products tell us about the social media what and where should they be following all the things you guys are doing yeah so check us out on instagram we are tennis underscore point underscore us uh we're on tiktok as well tennis underscore point uh, we're on Twitter, the same handle as our Instagram, tennis underscore point underscore US, uh, Facebook as well. You guys can check us out on all those platforms. Uh, we try to keep our content fun and engaging and try to build this community because it's a lot going on in this tennis world. We hope to get more into the college game, have some exciting news, hopefully coming down the pipeline in the near future. Um, but yeah, I know we'll be, I'll, I'll be seeing you a lot more in 2022 uh, when, when travel gets back to, to, to some normalcy and I can't wait to see it. Yeah, I, you know, again, all of that, I was going to say, all that said, all I ask is you let me leak the news before you give it to Parsa. That's just, you know. There you go. Hey, that, man, Parsa is unbelievable, man. Hustler. Hustler. That that's the standard. Yeah, he knows. And, he's, you know, I, I don't know if he's real or not still, and I've met him in person twice, three times, four times, many a times. I mean, we text. Um, but I, don't still, <laughs> I still don't know if he's real. Like, I'm I can't really wait to shake sure. his hand one day and just be like, dude, I'm, I'm just stupid impressed with what he does. I don't know. He must be just having – I mean, he has 10 burner phones or what? I don't know how he keeps his hotline. So He's our Woj. He's our guy. It's true. He's the one. And the real ones know. He's one of the original tennis Twitter accounts. Him, if you're an American tennis fan, him, Colette, and Jonathan Kelly. The real ones know. Joe Kelly underscore tennis, who, of course, I, again, so fortunate to be able to talk to. But the real ones know, Nate. Um, but, again— Ciao. Super excited to have the opportunity to speak with you uh, each and every week here on uh, Tuesdays moving forward. And again, to all of our listeners, tennis-point.com, promo code is CR15. With all of that said, you've missed any anything else happening this week, anything else across the tennis world, you can catch up on it all on our website, crackedrackets.com. ITA Fall Nationals Review, this weekend, review, broadcast, this weekend, first ball to last Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, all the way through Sunday's finals. We're going to get to see the best of the best. College tennis has to offer, and we've got a bunch of fun things planned throughout the weekend as well, so be sure not to miss out on that. Nate, maybe we'll have you pop on as well. God knows when you feel that much time, I'm going to need to stop talking at some point. Uh, So hopefully uh, we can have some fun throughout the weekend. But with all of that said, this is where I'm going to see. Do you remember what I prompted you earlier for? My fantastic at Snape Walrith, our super producers, Fliegner and Westoff, who, as always, have a f- of an editing job to do. Our friends over at Tennis Point and from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Nate, what do we tell the people? Taking a break. Uh, I'll take it. I love it. What and is we, it? It's That's the Break. That's the break. Uh, man. <laughs> no, perfect. That's, that's the break. The energy we're looking for. Leave it in, Westoff. We'll see you all next week. Thank you, Nate. Appreciate you guys having me. Ton of fun. Talk to you soon.
Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 